0: Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier Hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats is brought to you by ShootAway, offering products like 12K series guns, proven time and again by the nation's top schools and college coaches programs. For special pricing and discounts, contact Bruce Help at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, and shooting camps can improve performance for you. You Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest individual basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 basketball facts. D1 basketball camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 team camps have hosted more high school sectional championship teams, final four teams, and in Indiana any other camp shootout for a summer tournament. V1 team can provide the best chance for a school coach to work with all their teams in his top-tier competition from No problem. Appreciate it.
1: Okay, so today we are joined on the Checking It From the Cheap Seats podcast by Coach Todd Wolfley, who will be entering his 15th season at the helm of the Terre Haute North Patriots. Coach Wolfley, thanks for being on with us today.
0: Yeah, hey, I appreciate the opportunity.
1: You know, Coach, um, when, when I look around at guys that have been, success, uh, have been successful and had longevity, um, you know, you see guys that are hopping around quite a bit. You have been at Terre Haute North for 15 years now. Um, what's that been like growing up in Terre Haute and then taking over at your alma mater?
0: Well, it's been a challenge, been a lot of good things, and then there's some negative parts to it. First of all, uh, I'm a 1994 graduate of Terre Haute North, so I have a lot of pride. In the community, in the high school, and in the basketball program, I took over for Jim Jones, who I spent seven years with as an assistant, and he was also my high school coach.
2: who's
0: mm-hmm. was an Indiana Hall of Famer, so uh, when I moved over one seat to the left and took over the head coaching job, it became very hot and was a little bit different mm-hmm. in that aspect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been a great experience. I've been fortunate to be surrounded by excellent assistant coaches, good players, and uh, just support from a lot of areas from the Terre Haute North community. So it's a program that I love and uh, I care about deeply, our alums, players that come back, and the relationships that we have with those people and current and former players as well.
1: Every head coach obviously cares tremendously uh, about the program that they lead, but you you made a good point about – being a hometown guy, being from Terre Haute North, and, and how important the program is to you. And it's it's been great to see you have success. Speaking of success, last year's team, that was your your best team record-wise, 23-5. and five. Uh, You guys won the Wabash Valley Classic. Uh, I think that's the eighth time that your teams have won that. And then you guys won your third sectional last year. Just kind of take us through last season and uh, how that ended up being such a successful run for you guys.
0: Well, it was a very special year. First of all, it started in the offseason. We had three seniors and just, you know, as a coach that you can have a lot of talent, but if that talent doesn't work hard and gel together and you have the right chemistry, then sometimes things don't work out and you're not as successful as you'd like to be or you could have been. Mm-hmm. And we had excellent leadership last year and things just seemed to fall in place. Everybody had a role. They, they not only had a role, but they accepted their role. They did a good job playing their role and uh we were able to win some close games but I think that you make your luck by the work that you put in the off season, your preparation in the weight room and in the classroom and it was just a fun group to be around I hated to see the season end because uh they were so mature and they mm-hmm. enjoyed being around each other and they generally cared about each other outside of the basketball court and I think when you get a group of kids that can do that then you have the opportunity to be successful and they definitely were it was a it was a memorable season and one that i'll never forget and i hope they don't either
1: you know coach you talk about that season and talk about it coming to an end there in the regional um you know you guys only lost by five to cathedral and i saw cathedral play in the semi-state i saw him play in the state championship game um at some point in time I, i'd seen them throughout the season and they were a juggernaut i mean just a flat-out juggernaut like Take us through that game, how, how that game ended up being so close. And I know you guys obviously do a great job on the defensive end and controlling tempo, but just kind of talk to us about that game.
0: Well, that was definitely a key in that game. Yeah. Uh, we absolutely had to control tempo. And we did a little bit, uh, you know, we kind of did some things. We went a little five out and got away from what we would normally do because Cathedral was so long and athletic, and they posed mm-hmm. problems just on making every pass or even getting the ball inbound. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we went on a five out on them. We got some good shots. And You know, in the first quarter, we just weren't able to connect on those and got off to a slow start. But to the kids' credit, they battled back at halftime, and they realized that they belong there, and they mm-hmm. earned the right to be there. And they played much better the second half and gave themselves a the chance to win against an excellent cathedral team. I think their starting five will probably end up all being Division One athletes with four of those players who started being division one basketball mm-hmm. players and the other being a division one football player so uh, the task was monumental but they rose to the occasion and I, I just hated to see it end as I've already mentioned before because it was such a fun group and just uh, we had some adversity in the, the season as any, as any season does but we lost one of our post players he broke his arm on the uh, second to last regular season game mm-hmm. so other kids stepped up and we have a lot of those kids back this year so we're looking forward to that. But mm-hmm. as you know, roles and responsibilities change.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so hopefully those young men can assume the responsibilities, guys that we lost in, to graduation.
1: Now, your guy that, uh, that broke his arm, did you say he was a senior? He was. Yeah, and I, I remember you know, watching your run and watching you guys there in the last few weeks of the season on the news and, and on social media. And that was really cool how your team kind of rallied around that guy.
0: They did, and and you know sometimes when you have a kid that gets injured, he feels he doesn't feel a part of the team anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kid had tremendous character. Colin Frank was his name, and mm-hmm. he, uh, after surgery, he came to the game that night. Now I don't know how how uh, he was there mentally, mm-hmm. but you know he was he was at the game, and he kept coming around practice and really helped the guys that had to assume his responsibilities and his role on the team. So just, to, again, that just shows you when you have a chance to be successful, when you have kids like that are willing to sacrifice for each other. And it doesn't always happen that way because mm-hmm. of a lot of outside factors and influences, but that group of kids was kind of a uh, throw, throwback group where they hung out together. They weren't on their phones constantly. They hung around the locker room after practice, in the gym before practice. And, you know, when you do those things, then it's a lot more fun for everyone than involved.
1: Absolutely. You know, Coach, you you talk about um, what got there in that run and and him, you know, guys rallying around him and him showing up at practice. And I don't think that happens without a strong culture. And that's kind of a buzzword that you, you hear a lot of people throw around. I know Coach Bray talks about, you know, fabric, the fabric of the team. But when I think about Terre Haute North, when we've got played you guys in the summer, I think about the way you guys execute, I think about the way you defend. I mean, obviously, uh, when Coach Jones was there, part of the culture was a flex offense. But what, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you really stress with your kids on and off the court?
0: Just valuing every possession when it mm-hmm. comes to basketball-related things. And then off the court, be a good person all the time. And if you do those things, then success will happen on the court. And getting young kids to buy into that philosophy in order to create a culture, uh, you know, we try to treat this like a small college program mm-hmm. where if you work hard, cause we ask a lot and demand a lot of our players, but then we're going to take care of you. We're going to feed you. We're going to make sure that you travel, right. We're going to make sure that your locker room is taken care of mm-hmm. and the uniforms and all those things. But it's a 50 50 deal where you got to give us a lot. You have to give us everything that you have to and do the right things in order to be successful. So on the court, um, our schedule is kind of unique since Mm -hmm. I've been here at Terre Haute North because you mentioned the classic and a lot of the times when we're in the classic, we might play smaller schools enrollment-wise, your Mm -hmm. 1As, your 2As, your 3As, and sometimes in that situation, we are going to be the team that needs to be the aggressor, that needs to create possessions Mm -hmm. and make the game faster paced, and you and I have talked about this before, and then when you get into games where you play cathedral or you're Bloomington South, Bloomington North, some larger four, A schools, mm-hmm. they might have the superior athleticism. So we want to limit possessions and value possessions and to get kids to understand that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And to do that, I think is the biggest challenge, but it also can be the biggest reward you have when they do it the right way.
1: Absolutely. One of the things that I was going to talk to you about is your schedule. And you know, it, geographically, Terre Haute's in a rough spot because there are not a ton of huge, big schools around you guys. You guys play in a tough conference, Conference Indiana. Um, but I think that mix of, of, like you said, the Wabash Valley and then the difficult schedule that you play in the conference and out of conference, you get prepared both ways for the tournament.
0: Absolutely. And and you know, in the tournament, it's going to come down to possession by possession. Coaches can tell you mm-hmm. uh, that they're going to play really fast and do all these things because they have the talent. But when it comes down to tournament time, buddy, it's going to be pet possession by possession. And, you know, as was evident in your sectional championship game that I watched a few mm-hmm. few weeks ago. I hate to bring that up with you, but this <laughs> past year. Yeah. I did watch a semi-state game in, in Washington a few years ago, and that was an absolute clinic by your staff and your players. But Thank uh, you. Just possession by possession matters and taking care of the basketball and not turning it over. Mm -hmm. And I've never, I've had some excellent players here at Terre Haute North, but not really a guy that we could go to and say, hey, go make a play. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a ball screen and go make a shot or Mm -hmm. create for someone else. So a lot of our stuff has to be team basketball where we're working with each other in order to get a shot or those shots are manufactured to a set and the execution has to be precise or you're just not going to get the shot off Mm -hmm. or get what you want out of what you're trying to do. So been fortunate, like I said, to have excellent assistant coaches and good kids who buy into that philosophy and who want to win.
1: You know, Coach, you're sitting here and going into year 15. You're sitting at 196 wins, and you're really close to 200. So, congratulations on that milestone. I know it's not if, but when you get there. So, congrats on that. But what was it that really made you want to coach? Um, I know you had a love for the game when you you were a player. uh, But when was it that the light bulb went on and said, I'm going to do this for a living?
0: Well, you know, when I was young, my grandfather – was a coach and he was in education and then went up going the administration route Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was very supportive of me he wasn't necessarily a huge basketball guy but he knew that I enjoyed it so he took me to Indiana State games and local high school games when I was young and I just Mm -hmm. fell in love with the game very fortunate to have good teachers and mentors role models play for an excellent high school coach and Then once I graduated from college, I thought maybe I'd go the college route and spent one year volunteering out at rose Holman with Jim Shaw and John Frivo. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: they taught me a lot about preparation, breaking down film, scouting, all those things that when you make the transition from a player to a coach that you probably didn't know when you were the player, the extra hours that go into preparing a team for the game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and when I did it, I just enjoyed it. And I had the opportunity to get back in high school. Um, I love Division Three basketball, but mm-hmm. I remember the first scout. I think they did this intentionally because I was only 23 years old. They gave me a scout we were going to win, and I believe that night in Arkansas there were 52 people on the stands. <laughs> and so I think there was a reason I got that scout that night. But, yeah. uh, you know, when you get back to Indiana high school basketball, to me there's just nothing like it, uh, especially at tournament time or when the gym's packed when you walk into a place and you can smell the popcorn and the shoes are squeaking and just uh, a competitive atmosphere. And then, you know, the guys that you get to go against that you coach, maybe you go to battle with during the game, but Mm -hmm. the fraternity that you have in coaching, especially with the excellent high school coaches in Indiana is just something special.
1: Absolutely. And you know, you talk about that fraternity and people talk about all the time about, you know, the rivalries and we're gonna get to the north south rivalry here in just a little bit. And they talk about this, that, and well, you don't like this guy, you can't like that guy. And and People do not realize, I think, how close coaches are in the state of Indiana. You know, and and to that point, like, North Davies beat us last year, and and I hated it that it wasn't us making that run. But, you know, I I really was rooting for for Brent to win it because of how Mm -hmm. much effort he had put into that program over the years. And if it wasn't going to be us, I I wanted it to be them. Um, But going back to just a real quick funny story about scouting – One of my first years in coaching, I I coached with my high school coach, Ron McBride, for a while, and I'll never forget this. You talk about 52 people being in in a D3 gym in Arkansas. The week before the sectional, we draw Duggar, and he he goes, Josh, he said, I really need you Friday night to go scout Duggar at Medora. And I thought he was joking. (laughs) I thought he was joking and <laughs> he yeah. was not joking. And it was one of those things where I went and I look back on it now. And I was like, okay, number one, he was over-prepared all the time, which I learned a ton from him about preparation. Um, and that was probably being over-prepared. But the other part of that is it just taught me a lesson about humility. It's like you're never you're never too good to go do something like that as an assistant and and I'll never forget that. My, my friends still give me a hard time. Like, I cannot believe you had to go to Medora and watch watch Duggar. But, um, Coach, we, we just hit on the rivalry stuff. And we talked about friendships and coaching. Talk a little bit about the north-south rivalry. Because every every rivalry is unique in the state of Indiana. Uh, before we went on the air, we talked about how that game used to be played at the Holman Center. But just, just talk about that rivalry a little bit.
0: Well, you know, it's obviously a big – it's a, it's an event more mm-hmm. than a basketball game. You know, mm-hmm. it's an event in the community. Usually people get, get together. They go out to eat before the game. And last year we had the opportunity to have the game in the Holman Center where we had a boy-girl doubleheader, and that was special. But I think within the last five to ten years, we've gone back to playing the varsity girls game and the varsity boys game on the same night. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge crowd. Um, a lot of intensity. The, stu- it, it, the students really get involved from both schools, just like you would in any rivalry game. But uh, I, kids just do some of the most off-the-wall, crazy things in that game for about the first four or, f- four or five minutes. And, uh, you know, you just it, – it's so interesting because you never know what to expect. And you can throw records out the window. I know I had a post player this probably about ten years ago. He hadn't taken a three the entire season. Mm -hmm. zero for zero he's trailing the play in transition (laughs) and we throw him the ball and he catches it the gym's packed people are going crazy and he jacks about a 23 24 footer to start the game oh my and he just he kind of looks at me as we go down the court and i just look back at him i go you know what we doing what we got going on here yeah. So later on at halftime, I go, what are you doing? And he uh-huh. said, I don't know. I have no idea. He goes, I just got excited and I decided it was my time. I was going to fire one and everybody was going to go crazy. Uh-huh. I said, well, they about, you know, that's a true story. Cause they about did cause you almost broke the backboard. Oh. We needed it for like four more, three and a half more quarters. So uh-huh. anyway, it's just things like that. You know, when you put, 14 to 18 years old 18 year olds in stressful situations and all those things i I honestly think that it prepares them for things that they're going to see later on in their Mm life, whether they're going into a job interview or just competing and being under that pressure i think it's so good for kids and they can learn a lot about themselves and just prepare them for later on in life when they're going to hit those times where it gets a little bit tough but as i tell them all the time there are no bad days some are just better than others and Life is good. So even after a loss, you know, we'll figure it out and we'll get better.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, Coach, you know, you talked about that rivalry. And and I, I don't know that I've ever heard another coach talk specifically about how a rivalry game prepares you for something like a job interview. You know, we all talk about how, you know, basketball is a metaphor for life and how there's all these kinds Mm -hmm. of life lessons, but I don't know if specifically anyone's ever given that example, but I thought that was tremendous because you're going in for your first job interview. It's like, how can this be harder than what I had to do to mentally and physically prepare myself for that rivalry game? That's a great point.
0: Yeah. And you're still in there and you're competing and there's two other guys or you know two other females whatever it is that are sitting there that have the same qualifications at you they want the same job they're going for it and what are you going to do to set yourself apart mm-hmm. it could be your time that they you with 16 seconds left and you're at the line with the one and one in the fourth quarter
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: what's who well, you know it's your time it's your opportunity you've prepare, prepared prepared for it so take a deep breath just like you do before you go on that interview and go after it
1: good gonna- Talk a little bit about your your preparation of your team here, because I got a lot of uh, assistant coaches. You know, you talked about earlier when you took over for Coach Jones, the guy that you played high school basketball for. You know, you moved over one seat, and so I get hit up, you know, with a lot of questions a lot of times from assistant coaches about different things. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wanted to ask you: what is the most difficult part of coaching for you?
0: I think the most difficult part is the stuff that you and I do or monitor away from the court. Mm -hmm. The coaching part, the teaching part, the X's and O's part. I don't think people outside of the coaching profession, sometimes that's the easiest part. Mm -hmm. The hard part is helping kids to graduate from high school and Mm -hmm. be good teammates and the process that goes into it. Some Mm -hmm. kids have difficult time just getting to school every day. And we have no idea what goes on when they leave us at practice at 6 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. until the next day. Or they have girlfriend issues. Or in 2022, there is so much pressure on kids through social media. Mm -hmm. And the the things that they have to deal with that you and I probably didn't have to think about Mm -hmm. when we were playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had to worry about the other team's fans and all that stuff or not worry about it. But think about it. We knew it was going to be there. Mm -hmm. But the things that go on um, behind closed doors that go on with those things and just getting kids in the right frame of mind Mm -hmm. to allow them to perform to the best of their ability or be there mentally and not hang on to things. And then, you know, you run into girlfriends and all kinds of things like that that can become an issue. I think I always tell my staff. Somebody on the staff has to become best friends with this, the point guard's girlfriend, the shooting guard's girlfriend. You got to talk to them, be nice to them, or something like that. <laughs> and if there's going to be an issue, you better never be on Friday night. That, that's Don't right. To wait till Sunday. So, yeah, you know, just getting kids or getting in the boys' game, getting young boys to become young men mm-hmm. and growing up and handling that in the right way, especially when adversity hits. Now in my, whatever area that
1: is. I think that's in, incredibly well said because, uh, you know, I would say 90% of coaching is off court, whether that be, you know, managing some kid's mental health. Um, and, and, you know, you talked about how big boyfriend-girlfriend stuff is, um, you know, you know, for us uh, to deal with as coaches, and it becomes incredibly important. Um, Absolutely. Coach, you, you talked about stuff off the court. Let's, let's talk about in practice stuff. How mm-hmm. much time would you say in a, in a week's time that you spend on special situations in practice?
0: We do special situations about every night mm-hmm. at the end of practice. Mm-hmm. End up with something that could be a side OB with 16 seconds to go, but we usually do two segments at the end of every practice. Uh, you know, we'll put guys on the free throw line, out mm-hmm. of bounds, under, mm-hmm. you're down five points with two minutes to go. And actually we have uh, student managers to put how many team fouls are on the board. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I say, you know, just real quick, like you would coming out 30 second timeout, you're down five. We're going to trap one time here out of the timeout. We have five team fouls be super aggressive because sometimes as you know, officials will swallow the whistle late in the game or they may not think it's a foul, go for the ball. You might get a steal, yeah. but we're going to trap one time. And then if we, if they get out of the trap, get across half court, we're going to foul 32 and 22. They're poor free throw shooters. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's stuff that you have to do because when you get in a loud gym, let's say in the sectional, then that has to be something that's been re- repeated repetition. It has mm-hmm. to be done before. And you can't expect kids to do that and always make the right decisions because, they just don't. Mm-hmm. We don't as adults and fourteen to eighteen year olds. You know, they don't make <laughs> the best decisions sometimes on the court. And then that's when they all say, you know, Coach Thompson, Coach Wolfley, what were you guys doing? Why in the world did you foul the three point shooter in the act of shooting? That's the dumbest coach I've ever seen. And we, and yeah. you and I eat our humble pie and say, yeah, that's all on us. Yeah,
1: but no, uh, and that's the thing is, is I think you have to work on it each and every day. And and I have, you know. Young assistants that that ask me questions like that, and I I think back uh, to a game that we won whenever I was at Wood Memorial, and a friend of mine, Michael Breeden, uh, who's now an assistant coach at Crawford County, he would come over to our practices. He was an assistant at OCU at the time at Oakland City, mm-hmm. and he would come over to our practices sometimes. And I always liked having a guy like that come into practice. Not so much because he was trying to learn something from us, but if he saw something in practice, you know, he he would talk to us about it but I remember he came to a game about two weeks later and we won uh, because of a special situation thing that we had done in practice about two or three weeks before that. And he just messaged me on my phone that night. And he's like, you know, he said, Josh, he said, that's what coaching is all about. He said, you won that game tonight three weeks ago on something that you guys didn't practice. And I tell, tell people this all the time uh, too about special situations you know, come up with them. Um, come up with crazy ones that, uh, very rarely ever happen. I, I'll never forget. We lost my last year at Vincennes in double overtime sectional championship game down at Southridge. Colson Montgomery was a freshman, absolutely went off on us in the first half and we slowed him down in the second half, but we had a possession where the ball got knocked out deep, deep on the sideline. And, um, now a lot of times what you'll see and you can attest to this that officials they'll just take it out underneath the basket they don't care where the ball went out they just take it out of the basket but uh, man it was deep maybe two or three feet off the corner on the side and we could not get the ball in bounds and we turned it over on a five second count uh on our end and and we lost that possession and i you know when i went back and watched the game film i'm like you know we could have done this we could have done that but you know what my gosh, if we had a if we had an inbounds play that we could run in that situation, well, the very next year um, at Purdue practice and Coach Painter has a couple different actions that he runs from that spot, and so in special situation stuff we run that, and our guys just know if the ball's out right there, that's what we're running, that that we're running mm-hmm. that Purdue out of bounds play on the side. But if you come up with stuff that you know that that puts your team in a really tough spot like you said, they're much more likely to execute in those situations.
0: And I like what you said to use them. You mm-hmm. might not use them all season long, but you might only have one chance to use it. Mm-hmm. And it could be the difference between winning and losing or that one possession. Whether it's an out-of-bounds, under a side OB, a full-court play, you know, are you fouling under seven seconds, mm-hmm. up three, are you not?
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: are where are you going to foul at? Do you have fouls to give? Do you foul too early? Do you foul late? Because you know, you see kids and coaches get criticized all the time about that from mm-hmm. the people on the stands, but until you're out there on the floor and you know, if you haven't practiced it, whatever your philosophy is, that's just something that you have to do. And I just think that it it also uh, – the kids know, you know, hey, Coach Wolfley, what are we running here? It's There's seven seconds. Are mm-hmm. so we running our home run play? we we running our triples play? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. So they, they know that and they have confidence in doing it. So they're going to perform well.
1: And like or better, you, and, and like you said, th- just having that plan gives those kids confidence in what you're doing. It may be the worst plan in the world, but, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of times, if the kids just have that confidence going out there on the floor, it's it's important. Uh, the next, you know, tactical thing I wanted to ask you about in your practices is um, how much time do you spend on defense? Um, because you know, I, I've heard some guys like. Dan Dockage said that if he went back into coaching, he'd spend 95% of his time on offense and 5% on defense. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. that's a Todd Wolfley practice.
0: No, I don't think that, <laughs> that you would not see that if you came into our practices. And Every coach has a different philosophy on that. Um, you know, I when I started out, we didn't have – my first year at Terre Haute North, Coach Jones – who uh, was one of my mentors, he was a big matchup zone guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we played a lot of matchup zone and in order to do that, that takes a tremendous amount of time mm-hmm. and communication. And we tried to play a couple different zones. My first year coaching when I was young and
2: mm-hmm.
0: we just got pounded on it because we never really got good at anything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, we were undersized and we got killed on the boards, and we finished seven and 15. And in my mind, this is just my mind. I thought that it made us, a little bit soft. We weren't aggressive enough. We weren't tough enough on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. So we went to playing a lot more man-to-man and just disguising man-to-man. Obviously, if you have a team where you can play man-to-man and switch five ways, that makes it awesome. That's mm-hmm. great. But I have, I'm i still searching for that team, Coach Thompson. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, if you, you find rim, those guys. If you have a rim protector and guys that get after it, like you had a couple years ago, yeah. then a lot of defenses are going to look good. But mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time on – defense play a lot of man-to-man but we play you know we try to mix it up in disguise where depending on our opponent we'll play some pack line man-to-man and then we'll get real aggressive with it and get up the line a little bit so you have to teach kids that terminology and also have them understand what type of defense that you're in are we protecting gaps in this particular game on certain athletic drivers or are we getting after these guys and really trying to speed them up and you know we've had that conversation before uh, if teams, I'm not a big fan of the shot clock in Indiana, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are, and we're mm-hmm. probably gonna up going to go into that. But the reason why I'm not is just because if you're going to come out and not hold the ball, but value your possessions and spread the full floor, it forces the other team to make a decision.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. How much have they prepared for you? Are they going to come out? They're going to trap you? Are they going to bounce off the man-to-man? Are they going to go one-three-one trap? And it still gives that underdog then, if they've practiced hard or prepared for four days,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that opportunity where they may go eight for 11 from the three-point line, and then the crowd gets going in Indiana, and you stay in the game, and you give yourself a chance to win. So um, when it comes to defensive stuff, that's why I like it. And I think you have to be able to play multiple defenses every once in a while, and then you know, if you don't think you have the horses that night, Coach Jones always say, be careful, Todd. Don't ever take the mule to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> so, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And if they have a more talent and maybe a little better team, then you're going to have to get in gaps and force all the shots from the outside. So, a lot of time with.
1: No, and I, and I, I like the point that you made, too, about the shot clock because I feel – exactly the same way you know I, I've I asked people okay if you want a shot clock what what would be the perfect time on the shot clock and it's interesting because your shot clock people they have all kinds of answers you know all the way up and down whether it be mm-hmm. you know from the you know 30 to 35 or even 45 and I'm like you know most high school possessions and most high school games definitely a shot goes up within 45 seconds and most of the time Absolutely. 30 35 or under so I don't know. And you and
0: I've had teams where we want it to, because anything after that, it's going to be a turnover. So at least give us a
1: <laughs> yeah, chance. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but you know, it would it would really change the high school game because, and that was one of the arguments that a friend of mine made was that you know it would it would produce better coaches, and I I don't know if I nef- necessarily buy that. And his point was you'd have to be better in late shot clock situations, and I said, yeah, it would just add another. Den- Another dynamic to coaching. I don't know if it produced better coaches, but might have some guys like you and I getting out of the game quicker. But <laughs> um, yeah, but no, well, I you know,
0: it, I just don't like it because at the end of a shot clock, whether it's a college game or the NBA, a lot of times it just ends up um, a guy calling for a ball screen and they get some one on one action for a guy to make a play. Yeah. Well, not every you know in theory in public school public education we don't get to recruit our players and a lot of the players I've worked with since they've been in the kindergarten or you know first second grade but if we're playing cathedral I didn't necessarily have a guy on the floor that I could call for a ball screen in the shot talking we could even get a shot so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes the game better I -hmm. like the fact that you know it was 52 to 47 and we were down one possession in the fourth quarter and I don't know if that happens even as you know, I had a great team, but I don't know if that happens if there's a shot clock, mm-hmm. because then it like it's going our our possession might deteriorate because we're going to get a terrible shot or a heave at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but you know, there was going to be some possessions that game that it was going to take us a little while to find a good shot, and we had to have them break down and move the ball a little bit.
1: Well, and, and it's like you said earlier, everything is about the tournament. You know, it's about the preparation for the tournament. And I know there were years, I'm sure, back when Ron was coaching that you had to play his teams there in the Wabash Valley. I know there were years that, that, you know, Joey's teams, um, different Linton teams have been really good at controlling tempo. And it's like, if you're the better team, you got to figure out ways to combat that. Because yeah, how are you going
0: to get more possession?
1: Absolutely. You get in the tournament, at, you know, against a really good team in your sectional, and they're holding for, you know, last shot or it gets into overtime and they're being extremely patient. How are you going to speed them up without giving them a high-percentage shot? So, yeah. I, I I really liked what you had to say there on that stuff. I just really like the chess match with mm-hmm. it. And it's not, you know, it's not college
0: basketball. It is high school basketball. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people understand – how difficult it is and what a great group it takes in order to move the basketball for a period of time and somehow find a good shot. Just the unselfish play that you have to have and and just the great reads by kids who've played together for a long time because they're not big time collegiate players yet or professional players. They're they're not there mentally. They're not there physically. Some of them think they are, but they're not. And uh, so I think it takes a little while to work for a great shot and then, become a good teammate and all that things go into that, not read worried about their yank rain offers. They have just focus on representing your community, your school, and trying to win high school basketball games. And I still think that's special. That's why I love it. Basketball in Indiana.
1: Well, and, and you make another great point there because Indiana is getting recruited like no other, you know, and so it's huh. not hurting kids in Indiana that we don't have a shot clock. I mean, you know, the, the no. you know, Sicily uh, and Xavier Booker; oh, yeah. th- those guys are still getting recruited at the high level by everyone. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And by everyone. Coach and Izzo, a reason why all these college coaches still come to Indiana. That's right. For Co- the big AAU events and to recruit our players, and obviously you and I coach here, but I still think the best high school coaches are in Indiana, mm-hmm. and the best players are in Indiana. And if you recruit a kid from Indiana, I've heard this so many times from many high, from many college coaches. At every level. I mean, you kind of know what you get when you recruit Mm -hmm. a kid from Indiana. They're going to be fundamentally sound. They're going to know how to play. And they will play to the high level in front of enough people uh, that they're they're ready to go, at least mentally.
1: Absolutely. Coach, last question I've got for you before we go to our speed round and have a little bit of fun. Talk about the media in Terre Haute. I know I I would say that everybody, you know, Brandon Hoffman over at Silver Creek, he'll tell you that – the the media down in that part of the state's really good. I know that Coach Osborne would tell you the media in Indianapolis is really good, and obviously that's on a different level because you've also got pro sports, but you've got some really good media people up there in Terre Haute. We just had Rick Simler on the podcast last week. Um, That's got to make things special, uh, coaching in Terre Haute.
0: Well, we're very fortunate here in Terre Haute in the Wabash Valley that we have two, not one, but two media outlets, Mm -hmm. and both when it comes to basketball, they have a – Friday night going to the hoop segment that covers all the schools in our area. Those guys work extremely hard. They go all over the place. And I feel like, uh, you know, we're very fortunate and sometimes we're spoiled because we'll play a lot of schools. I can't tell you how many times I've been to Evansville. We've been to Evansville several times and play down in Evansville a lot. But a lot of the coaches say there's just so many schools there, it's hard for their media to get out and cover those and they don't get a lot of the game if they are there Mm -hmm. so that's no knock on the media in Evansville I'm just saying that Mm -hmm. the the media in Terre Haute really does a great job covering (laughs) our kids in all sports and highlighting them and they make it the the lead story on the news on Mm -hmm. Friday nights. it's not taking second fiddle to like you said a pro sports game or a pacer game something like that It's, it's a whole segment and actually an extended segment and we're very appreciative of the, of the things that they do, and you well, know I can keep up with I can keep up with your teams on there and yeah. everybody yeah. else by watching the highlights on Friday night. But now, it, if and we lose, if we lose, I'm not in a big <laughs> hurry to get home and watch but <laughs> <laughs> it.
1: But
0: it's a little better when we win.
1: Yeah, you know. Last week, Rick talked about, I think it was 56 schools that they cover, Indiana, Illinois, and Wabash Valley. So, that excuse that those Evansville coaches are giving you, that they hear from the media that there's just too many schools down there. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Rick Rick's covering 56 schools. but
0: Right. Great job over at Channel 2 as well. I don't want to leave him out. Oh, absolutely. He's been, he's been very good to us and to me. And, uh, you know, when we have the holiday tournament, I mean they just pub that uh mm-hmm. tremendous and that's one of the big draws. They start talking and preview the teams and the, the Tribune star, Todd Goldman, Amy, David Hughes at the Tarot Tribune Star, they do a profile on every team and uh, you know that gym's packed and oh, yeah. a lot of times that starts the day after Christmas. Yeah. So
1: well, I'm People I'm definitely going to get meet. up there this year because we play <laughs> we're playing in our holiday term. We switch. We're playing down in the Toyota Classic this year, and it's that week before Christmas. And I told my wife I said, you know, we we got a couple of different options of different things we can do with Christmas this year. And she started talking about this, that, and the other. And I said, No, I, I get to go enjoy the Wabash Valley this year. And she's like, <laughs> What are you talking about? You're, like, you're gonna go watch basketball. I'm sure that's
0: just what she wants to hear. You go into more high school basketball.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. well, well, coach, we finish up with a speed round. So I'm just gonna hit you up on some of this stuff. If you do wanna take a little bit longer to answer it, that's fine. Um, but uh we're going to talk about chores around the house real quick. What is your least favorite thing to do around the house?
0: Laundry. <laughs>
1: laundry, not painting. Uh, my wife had me doing some painting over the weekend. You enjoy painting. Well, huh? I was
0: going to say that or <laughs> cooking, but it's my least favorite laundry because I do all the laundry. So okay.
1: okay. Well, I, I, I don't... I, my, my wife takes care of the laundry part and, uh, I, I'm, I'm just not a big painter. Um, yeah,
0: I don't you, like that either. I'd probably go with you on that, too. That might might be number two. We,
1: we've got this big turkey trot festival coming up this weekend, and we've got um, Larry Fleet coming to town. I'm pretty excited about that. My wife and I are going to go watch Jason Aldean later this, this month. So I'm just telling you, you know, I'm just a redneck from Greene County. But okay. singer, favorite performer. Who's Todd Wolfley's favorite singer?
0: Oh man, I'm all over the place. I play music every day. My Uh, students in class can't figure it out. So (laughs) I'm kind of all over the place, man. I can listen to some rock, some 90s rap. I like a little country too. So I don't have a favorite one, but I I can, I can go with everything. What
1: about the counting crows? I'm a big counting crows fan as well. I'm kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah, not bad.
1: Yeah. Not Uh,
0: bad at all. I've been to all kinds of different concerts. So one of my coworkers,
1: um, Nathan Lester here, he actually, uh, for a weekend, hung out with Adam Duritz, the lead singer of Counting Crows, and he's got some pretty okay. good stories that he tells about about that weekend, back in his younger days, of course. Um, oh, absolutely. Favorite sports memory from your childhood that does not involve Todd Wolfley?
0: Uh, my mom and dad took me to I have bits and pieces now here. Okay? okay, I don't want to date myself too much. I attended every Indiana State University men's home game in 1979 Oh um, wow. when Indiana State made their run to the national championship game against Magic Johnson and Michigan State. So my parents had season tickets. Oh, my. And there's actually a, pi- a picture of me that I have at home. Uh, my dad passed away over the summer, and mm-hmm. I found a picture where a photographer took a picture, of Larry Bird taking the jump shot. Yeah. And I am in the very background sitting in the aisle at three years old and I can see myself sitting there next to my parents watching the game. So now that is so that a would picture. be my that would be my favorite moment because uh it reminds me of my dad a little bit and uh-huh. I would fight with him and uh
1: and those times and I, and, uh, at and uh, I a Holman lot. Center. That yep. is and I was at cool. Center. That is cool. Yep. If I'm gonna give you free tickets to get in any sports venue in the United States, Fenway Madison Square Garden, where are you going?
0: I've always wanted to watch a game and watch the Rose Bowl. I've always wanted to go to the Rose Bowl.
1: Go to the Rose Bowl. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, In Pasadena. So, Todd Wolfley gets up in the morning, and you open up the email or a podcast. Where are you going? Who's somebody that gets you going each and every day?
0: Well, you know what? My podcast now is – my kids because Mm -hmm. they get me going i have a 15 (laughs) and 13 year old so my 15 year old's finally coming to work with me now he's Uh a freshman in high school and my 13 year old's in the seventh grade so uh i spent a lot of time i used to you know listen to podcasts and get Mm -hmm. right going to work but i try to have as much conversation with them taking them to school as i can to get into their mind and to keep them off the phone just to see how they're doing there you go that's that's a heck of a podcast right there (laughs)
1: that's a heck of a podcast and great advice to young coaches right there yeah college coach out there right now if you're going to go to a practice you're going to go to a game and see things behind the scenes who's your who's your favorite guy
0: well i really like matt painter and i've been to his practices before uh matt wren who teaches math here at north he's a good friend of mine played at indiana state and his mm-hmm. nephews playing mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: at purdue right now yeah brandon's kid from silver creek mm-hmm. trey kaufman wren but yeah. uh, just his attention to detail mm-hmm. their reads i obviously am a little biased because they have a lot of indiana guys on staff and mm-hmm. indiana players and i and i like that um just because, but you know, I think that he does a really good job. I enjoy his practices
1: quite a bit. There you go. All right, last question for you on the speed round. This is one that I threw in there, not the kids.
0: You're okay. riding across the
1: country in a rental car. You got to get you got to get to California, and you've got your pick of one of two guys to ride shotgun across the country: Aaron Gadberry or Joey Hart. Who are you taking with you?
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, pro- I I tell you what. I am, if Joey Hart's with me, I'm driving. <laughs> okay. Because he is not driving, I will tell you that. That guy gets sidetracked more. He and I have been on trips across the country. Uh-huh. So if it's Joey Hart, I'm going to be driving, and he doesn't sleep and is on his phone all the time, so mm-hmm. he'd keep me awake across the country. There you go. And I don't know about Gadberry. He'd probably get, have to get out and run a few miles and all that stuff. He might slow us down because he'd have to get us. Workout
1: then so. absolutely but. slow you down just a little bit <laughs> hey and, and one more one more I gotta I gotta ask this because I do get to Terre Haute occasionally and I'm planning on coming up and watching the Wabash Valley a great place to eat in Terre Haute that not very many people know about so not like a chain place what's a oh, good man what good, are you
0: looking what are you looking for what uh, do you
1: like? let's let's talk uh burgers get a good burger
0: oh burgers great burgers that Charlie's Pub and Grub, I mean, just great burgers there. They're known for their Tweety Burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think, it's somewhere else. Boy, you really put me on spot and speed around on this one. Well, I didn't Char- know what direction you were going to go on that. So well,
1: I would go with that one. Charlie's, Charlie's Pub and Grub, okay.
0: Yep, good one. I can't steer you the wrong direction there. Well, and hopefully I didn't, and I'm going to leave somebody out. Somebody's going to listen to this podcast and say that they're not uh, supporting Territ North basketball anymore. So if I didn't <laughs> leave you out. I apologize, I'll I'll get you another time. You you spread
1: the wealth around, right?
0: That's right, that's right.
1: Well, Coach, again, thank you so much for being on with us today, taking time. Um, You had a great season last year. Wish you and the Patriots the best of luck. And um, if there's ever anything we can do for you, Coach, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, um, But, again, best of luck to you guys this year. Uh, Same to you guys. I appreciate you having me on, and I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, Coach. Thanks a lot. All right. And we thank Coach Wolfley for being on the Checking It From the Cheap Seats podcast. Appreciate his time. Good luck to the Patriots this coming season. Next week, we're going to have Scott Davenport, the head coach, at Bellarmine University, Kurt Hopes, head coach, on the podcast. Until then, keep checking it from the cheap seats. Chugging it from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop
2: BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom in stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com.